Isaiah 40, 1 through 11, comfort. Comfort my people, says our God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard services have been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, why shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers on the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice and a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See the sovereign Lord come, comes with power and his rule with mighty arm. See his reward. Is he in him and his recompense accompanies him? He trends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leaves those that have young. Mark 1, 1 through 8. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who prepare the way. A voice of the one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Anna? Could we welcome Anna? Hi, family. Um, today I want to share about what good news there is that our Savior has already come. Jesus has been born to us. How are we going to live in light of that today? Um, can you turn to 
your neighbor and just say, there's good news for me today. And for those at home, maybe even my husband's sick, Amy, can you say to yourselves if you're watching live stream, there's, oh, Dane's here. <laughs> I heard your little cough. Happy anniversary, honey. If you're on live stream, will you say to yourself today, there's good news for me today? <laughs> I want to share this message with you um, because I believe there's all the things that we want from this season uh, within this passage that um, the cruises read. There's hope, there's joy, there's peace, there's love, and not only that, there's provision and there's faith. Aren't we hoping for more faith to bolster us in these days? Aren't we looking for more provision to sustain and supply us? Look at this. This is just a loaded sentence for us today. It says, the beginning, Mark writes this, the first sentence off the draw, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. It's good news that Jesus has come. He's saying it's good news that he's coming, and for us, he has come. Colossians gives us a summary of what John was preparing the people about. Has this happened for all of us who believe? Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. You were free from accusation because of what Jesus put in his body. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and you don't move from the hope held out in the gospel, isn't that good news for us that we're without blemish? We're free from being enemies of God? <laughs> All right. Jesus is our savior, he's our peace, he's our life, he's our friend, he's our king. What he's done for us is good. And it wasn't just goodness before he came, it's good news now. Look at what else it says. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, the other awesome thing about this one sentence is that it was prophesied about hundreds and hundreds of times that the Messiah was going to come. And that's exactly how Jesus came. Hundreds of years before, when we read this today, we can know this is tested. This is standing the test of time. The scriptures are standing the test of time. What happened to Jesus is what God said would happen. Before you and I could read, before Jesus could read, he said, this is exactly what's going to go down. And that's what happened. That should boost our faith this morning. It's not some nice ideas, not some wild man proclaiming the gospel. This good news happened long ago, and it was fulfilled. John and Isaiah, 
are telling the Jewish people, the people of God, that the Savior's advent, advent is indeed going to happen. There is a Savior on the way. He's going to save us. He's going to shepherd us. And he's going to free us from slavery to sin. And now you and I are living in 2,000 years of living in that realized prophecy. For 700 years, they waited for that to happen. We're living in it, right? Okay, let's pray. Lord, we have to have you. We are desperate for you. Thank you that years ago, many people longed for you to come, Jesus, and you are here. You have come, and you're in us and with us. Would you open our hearts? Would you soften our hearts? And would you reveal who you are to us once more today? Would you supply and boost us in faith to live for you? Would you free us? Would you do everything that you want to do? We, we want you. We want to serve you. We're lost without you. You are good news to us. Would you show us once more? In Jesus' name. Amen. And so here's our passage. I'm going to read it again. This is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, Isaiah says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me is coming the one more powerful than I, the strap to whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Come on. You know, last week, Guile talked about the second advent of Jesus, that our King and Savior is coming back for us, and we need to be watchful and ready for him. And the good news Mark's begins with for us is that the first advent's been fulfilled. Jesus has come. He's a Savior who's been born, Christ the King. He suffered and died, raised from the dead, has come to bring us everlasting life, and he's not counted our sins against us, but brought us to peace with God. We're restored, and in the life to come, he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. He is great. But my wonderment today is, are we living as though Jesus has already come to save us? What is Christmas really about? We've been saved. Our Savior has been born. We're rejoicing in that. We're giving people presents because we're saved from our sins. We're saved from our sins. That's what it's about, right? We've been forgiven and loved, and we will live forever with God and in the life to come. We're rejoicing, we're giving gifts, we're throwing parties because he saved us. 
what do you think that Jesus would want for a Christmas present, for his birthday present? I think he wants us to walk in the salvation that we've been given. He wants his children. He wants his family to be free, to be filled with more of the Holy Spirit. He wants his children to obey him and to follow his teachings and live with him. The scripture says in Galatians, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Jesus came in love to set us free from sin. That's what we're rejoicing in. Now, what is this Mark passage saying? The people met John in the wilderness. He didn't go to them. They came to him. It looks like nearly everyone did. It's insane. They were desperate for God. They went out into the wilderness to have a touch from him, to realize something about him. They confessed their sins. And this was his message. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. How can we make straight paths for the Lord now? He's already come. He's baptized us with the Holy Spirit if we believe in him. That's how we can even say that Jesus is Lord. John Wimber, uh, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, he had a saying, and then they later compiled some of his teachings into a book by this title. But it was, the way in is the way on, baby. How we get to know God is how we keep going with him. That's the gospel. Jesus will still be the one saving us decades into our relationship with him. It still won't be our good works. It still won't be our changed lives that are saving us. It'll still be him. Those having done the 12 steps know this fully, right? Here's the 12 steps. My life's unmanageable. I can't save myself. I admit it. Can we admit it? We can't save ourselves. That's why we chose him. The next step is I believe that something greater than me could save me. I think I'll let him. Third step. And then we, we look, inventory our lives, confess our sins, and we just keep doing it over and over and over again, remembering, oh yeah, I didn't save myself. I can't possibly save myself. You can. I think I'll let you. And that's, that's the life we're living, right? When we see Paul's writing... He's writing to letters to these wonderful churches. Some of them he started. Um, and what's the thing he's writing to them? The same old message again and again. The message he began with. He's reminding them, hey, this is the way of God. Remember how you first started with him? That's how you'll keep going with him. And in Mark, what was prophesied that the way into salvation was the people of God preparing themselves what what was what was the preparation that they did they confessed their sins and repented they cried out i need god and i'm wrong i want to be cleansed from sin and i want to live for god that's how they prepared themselves look at what paul says in colossians So then, 
just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's some of the enticement of LTS, of Life Transformation School, strengthening and being built up in the way you were taught what you've already agreed to by putting your trust in him. What is it? Be invigorated towards that once more. Um, yeah, I just invite you. If, if any of this, even if that passage is striking you, continue to live your lives in him. That's what LTS is all about. If you hadn't thought of signing up. Just as we received him as our savior, a baby came, he saved us, it's good news. Today it's good news, let's keep living in him. Here's another way it's said in Hebrews, let's throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let's run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen? Sin can hinder us from living for him. The way they came, it may be an ongoing work that we do. Let's throw off everything that entangles us and run to him. In this Christmas time, we're relishing that Jesus is our savior and has come. We can depend on him to keep saving us. We can depend on him that right now today, he's saving us. He's setting us free from sin and guilt and death. There's some helpful tips for us in that passage that can help us live in this salvation, this salvation life. We want to continue to live in him. And the way we can do it is to confess our sins and repent. Look, the people who've gone before us said this. Jesus, uh, James's Jesus, James's brother. What? James, Jesus' brother, James. Jesus' brother James said this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can be healed. Uh, that also means saved. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Uh, John, one of Jesus' disciples, said, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie, and we don't live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all our sins. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Jesus wants to purify us. He's wanting to walk in righteousness, and he's wanting us to be healed. This is the rhythm of our lives, all our lives. We're going to be confessing our sin. We're going to be saying it to the people in this room, our sin, all the days of our life. It's a rhythm of life in him. The way in is the way on. 
We confessed our sins, we repented, and we're going to keep doing it. We want to live with him, right? We're going to have to practice. If this is a rhythm all our life, we're going to have to keep practicing. Confession may seem like a Debbie Downer over the holidays, (laughs) but it's far from that. It's a call of rejoicing, right? What's repentance? We can change our minds. That's the kind of freedom he's given us, that we can change our minds. Think about this in the natural. If we're driving and we're going the wrong way, what will we do next? We will turn around. If we're driving and we're going the wrong way, we will turn around. Sometimes pride keeps us from turning around or asking for help, right? No, I think it's just right around here. I think I'm going the right way. But if we remain in pride, we still won't get where we want to go. We want to go with him. The way to him is to acknowledge our sin, to tell our siblings our sin, our brothers and sisters in Christ, have them pray for us, be free, change our minds, and live for him. We say, oh God, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't done that. This happened to me this week. I I was making tea for Dane, and I had stepped away for a long time, so I forgot whether I had pressed it or not. And so foolishly, I put my hand over like the steam, and I burned my hand immediately. It was so hot. I was like, no, 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 I I was so sorrowful. I wish I hadn't done that. I kept saying, oh, and it just burned so deep in my hand. And I just called out to Lord, I wish I hadn't done that. I'm so sorry, hand. Oh, you're hurting so much. And I was crying in pain. It hurt so bad. Dane got me burn cream, and I never thought about it again. He, I must have been healed because not one time did I think of it after that moment. We can do that to God. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't done that. Please help me. I'm the one who did it. I was wrong and foolish. I put my hand over steaming hot water. What do I think is going to happen next? Severe pain. Right? But he delivered me, and he wants to deliver us. God is asking us to walk with him and rely on him as our Savior today. For him to do the purifying work, he's the one that purifies us. And it's a good thing. Look at how Paul talks about repentance. This is wild. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation, and it leaves no regrets. You want to live a regret-free life? Let's repent. That's good news, right? A life with no regrets? What kind of salvation today is he offering us? But worldly sorrow brings death, right? It says in the message something like this, godly sorrow drives us to God. It drives us to turn around. But we can let sorrow drive us away from God, and that is a life of regret. Because what we've done then matters more than the gospel. 
(laughs) But we can let sorrow drive us away from God, and that's a life of regret, because then what we've done matters more than the gospel. Or God's saying, whatever you've done, I'll deliver you from it. I am your Savior. Born to you today is a Savior, Christ the King. Because the truth is, we aren't stuck in our ways. We're not stuck in sin anymore if we've called upon him. We can turn around and run to him. Repentance is changing our mind. Can we turn from falsehood and embrace God's spirit and cling to his love and run to him? It's critical. We are wrong and he's right. He's the way of righteousness. If we're looking to him as our savior, we want him all the more and need him all the more. Are you seeing the benefits of repentance? The benefits of what John was calling them to? Why they went all the way out into the wilderness? How we got in was repenting, and that's how we'll keep going. Can we examine ourselves? I'm going to read a portion of Ephesians. Let's examine ourselves with this letter propped up against our souls and against the fruit of our lives. Is that okay? It's a joyful thing because freedom is right there for us. Liberty is right there for us. Is there anything that the Lord wants to liberate you from? Because he's our liberator and he wants to set us free. That's the joy of getting to change our minds is we get to walk in the life that he offers. The world wants to muddle truth and falsehood. But the world and not even ourselves are the ones who define what sin is and what righteousness is. We're not the ones who define those things. It's only God who defines those. And he wants to lead us into real righteousness and a clear conscience. A a free life. You got nothing on me. You got nothing on me. I have a clear conscience before God and his people. And anything you can pin on me, the people of God know it. I've already told them because I'm in a rhythm of repentance, right? What does the enemy or anyone in this world have on us? The people of God. We're the most free people in any room. We've been saved from all our sins and everyone knows it. Thank you, Lord. Here's the good news. We don't have to justify what we've done. We don't have to say, and this is why I did the right thing there. We can run right to God. He wants to forgive us. He wants to deliver us from whether we did or we didn't. He wants to deliver us. We don't have to get a group of people around us saying, do you think I did the right thing there? Yeah, you totally did. You should have said that. They were wrong, right? (laughs) Do you want a clear conscience before God or a group of other people saying you did the right thing? We can run to him and be free. We want to live for God. We want to walk with him. What he's offering us is a free life. Remove anything in us, Lord, that's hindering us from your love. So as we read this letter, let's let Paul's word instruct us and just wash over our hearts so that we can be free. It might alert us of some things in our lives. Let it bring joy to us that God himself's come to save us and he'll keep saving us. 
and he'll keep saving us from pride and the arrogance of life and from any manner of sin he's able to save us. That's the good news that he was born. So here's Ephesians 4 through 5. (laughs) Ready? Lord, would you help us to have soft hearts as we hear these words? Would you bring about anything that's hindering us and the sin that so easily entangles us and help us to fix our eyes on you and run to you? Ready? So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're filled with greed." You see that around us in the world? That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. You know, I was talking to someone in our body and they said, none of my clothes fit me anymore, like at all. They're ill-fitting. They don't fit me anymore. I have to take them off. This is our life. This is the old, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. It doesn't fit anymore, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Emotionally healthy relationships, anyone? If you haven't taken that class, I urge you, because this is really vital for us who believe, to know how to put off falsehood and speak truthfully to our family members. Okay, he keeps going. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry and don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands so they may have something to share with those in need. Look, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it could be a benefit for those who are listening. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other, just as Christ God forgave you. And he goes on to say, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity, or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. They're clothing that doesn't fit anymore. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. These are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater. They're worshiping a false God, and it's not Jesus. 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon those who are disobedient. Disobedient. Therefore, don't partner with them. Finally, for you were once in darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Come on. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Then he says, be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. It leads to sensual indulgence. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music in your hearts to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord. Isn't it wonderful that instead of engaging of sin, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit? The very thing that John said would happen? Repent from your sin, and when Jesus, who's very powerful, comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The way in is the way on. Let's turn from falsehood. If we've been bought by Jesus, we've been circumcised in our hearts, and we've been set free from sin and death, we can confess it, release it, and welcome the Holy Spirit. Welcome more of the Lord. Let's walk with God with vigor and with joy because he's saving us even now. And rejoice for more freedom and more of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I just pray, we need you, Lord. We want to be preoccupied with you. We want to be preoccupied with finding out what pleases you rather than indulging in sensuality to please ourselves and to buy more crap. We want to be preoccupied with you. What's going to please you? We're living for you. You set us free. You are our all in all. Not the things of this world, which are so uncertain and so unstable and lead to death. We're looking to live for you. And here's the good news that Paul says to Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And look at this. We can live self-controlled. <gasps> That's in direct opposition from the way of this world. We can be in control of ourselves because of God's grace. Upright and godly lives in this present age as we wait for the blessed hope, we're waiting for the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what's good. Let's prepare the way of the Lord. He teaches us. He gives us grace. He's poured out his spirit. He's the one purifying us. The work that we do is leave a bunch of trash at his feet. That's the work we're doing. 
He's the one that cleans it all up. We can run to him to open, loving, and strong arms that will forgive us. And so as we're in a sweet time of decorations and parties and feasting, let's prepare for more of the Lord coming in our lives. He has come, and he'll be coming again. And he is powerful now by his spirit to continue to save and purify us, to comfort us, to counsel us, to guide us, to advocate for us, to teach us, to give us power and boldness to proclaim the gospel and to live in the gospel, to live in the good news of what he's done. We have to rely on him. We're really fragile. We're really frail. We're really needy. We're really limited. We're humans. We needed his salvation and he came. We need his spirit and he gave it to us. We need him and he designed us that way. Look what he said if you want something from him. Which of you fathers, Jesus said, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? Look, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He wants to give us more of himself, just like John said. Let's ask him for more. Could we all stand? If there's any sin that's come to mind from the Holy Spirit, from the passages, can you hold it in your hands before the Lord? He wants to liberate us from it. We can turn around. When you're ready, drop that sin. Look at me real quick. When you're ready, drop it. Let's ask him for more. Then let's ask him for more. Fill us up, right? We're holding our sin. When you're ready, release it. Receive his forgiveness and ask him to fill us up with the Holy Spirit, okay? Have we all dropped our sin? Lord, fill us afresh. 
John said, when you come, you'll baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Paul said, don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Fill us up, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. You had already filled your disciples in Acts 2. In Acts 4, when they needed you afresh for more boldness and faith, you poured out your spirit on them again, and there was an earthquake. You want to keep filling us with more of your spirit. Pour yourself out on us. We need you, Father God. The way we'll have to practice the life we're living is you'll have to share with someone what sins you gave up today, what you left at his feet. This is a good practice for us, the rhythm of our lives of repenting from our sins. And it's important to share with someone. I had these sins. I gave them up to the Lord. And I asked him to fill me. I want to live for him. Right? Jesus has come. He's our savior, but he's not just a relic little baby. He's a living right now God. He saved us and he's going to keep saving us. Let's live for him. The world and its desires are passing away. They're going to come to an end, but the one who lives for God will live forever. His words will never pass away. What he says, that's what he does. Lord, would you throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that easily entangles us and help us to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. You're the pioneer. You're the author. You're the protector of our faith. Perfector, we have to have you. Let's, should we pray for the people in our lives who are far from God with this renewed vigor to live for him? Ready? Think, come to mind with the people in your heart. Ready, Lord? I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you, bless you, Merry Christmas. It's good news.